So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Good beer. What are we drinking today? We're drinking Citrus Mistress IPA from Eugene, Oregon's Hop Valley Company. Nice. A little change of brewery. little change. How did this catch your eye in the store? Um, I've actually before? had this quite uh, a few times. This is one of my favorites. And they switched it to cans. And mm. it was $3 cheaper than a six-pack of Lagunitas. So Taylor said, well, what? And then bought it. Bingo. Yep. The old grocery run. Pretty tasty stuff. We're doing our best of 2019 so far today. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's so far. Yeah. I definitely don't feel like it's ironed out completely. And um, I, f- yeah, some of these are definitely not going to be here at the end of the year. I would agree. Overall, happy with the year so far? No. Not so much? We just went through May. So, yeah, I think you'd have to be insane to appreciate what we just went through. It's true. We've been a little bit of a rough patch, but we've we've made it through. We got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming up. That's going to kind of kickstart things. Then we got Midsommar. Then we'll have The Lighthouse, The Nightingale, um, Ford v Ferrari, Ad Astra, uh, Little Women at the end of the year. We've got we've got a lot better looking forward year than Good what we've had. Ahead. I was thinking of Midsommar because I think Hereditary was our consensus pick. Last year? I think that was I the think highest so, one yeah. across our two lists. So I feel like we have high hopes for Ari Aster. To... Repeat. Yeah. Let's, let's see what he's got. So should we start with our number 10 favorite film of the year and then uh, switch over to our favorite official soundtracks? That sounds wonderful. Would you like to start or should I start? You start. All right. At number 10 on my list, we're going through our top 10 features. We're including... Limited series and shorts in these as well. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. My number 10 is a feature, and it is the feature called Holiday by director Isabella Eckloff. It's a Danish film. Um, It's It's a uh, debut. It is a debut. That's correct. Um, It's a character study, a particularly brutal one. Um, It's focused on a drug dealer's girlfriend, and... The two of them, along with the rest of the drug dealer's crew, on this little, like, vacation of sorts in a uh, European seaside town. And um, it's a particularly um, unpleasant relationship, and one that gets thrown off balance a bit when a new fellow enters the picture who catches this young girl's eye. Um and uh yeah it's a very interesting character study um has a um couple uh highly unpleasant moments of abuse but i think um what uh it's getting at with respect to um what exactly this this woman is going through i think is super interesting um and uh, a very uh assured debut there you go is it like revenge at all it reminds uh, me of revenge I don't think so. I would not call this a revenge story. No, isn't there a movie that we watched last year called Revenge? 
Um, Something like yeah. that. I do remember that film. Where she's like stuck um, in the middle of the desert and has to like mm, kill everybody. I do recall Revenge. Um, Nothing like that at all? No, I don't oh, think okay. so. It's not a revenge story. I mean, in a way, it feels almost more like a little bit more like a no way kind of thing. Okay. Um, but maybe not quite so um, irreversible. Ferocious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, there there is sort of the much discussed scene um, that certainly would bring irreversible to mind. Gotcha. Um, yeah, worth checking out. My number ten. We've talked about on the show already, and that is Nicole Kidman's Destroyer. Great pick. Not much to say. Just beautiful, excellent ensemble. Um, pays itself off at the end in a very fulfilling way that makes you feel like your journey paid off and yeah i mean there's really not much more to say about it great pick one that i feel like was overlooked because of the timing like it was kind of spilling over like into the late last year into early this year yeah right? it, it was, it was so limited busy. theater release on december 28th i think in yeah. new york yeah. and la so it gets the 2018 release date, even though it doesn't yeah. roll out until 2019. And so, yeah, yeah they yeah, kind of buried it. came out it. during like a really crowded period. And it's Karen Kusama? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Great pick. On a different day, be on here, no doubt. To the OSTs. To the OSTs. We're going to count down from three to one. Okay. Do you have yours ranked? I do have mine ranked. More or less. I know which one is first, and I know which one is last. All right. Would you like to go first? Sure. Why not? Are we are we going in descending order or ascending order? Um, yeah, we'll count down. Three to one. Count down three to one. Okay. So number three for me is Aladdin, Disney's mm. live action remake with Guy Ritchie. The music numbers are certainly the highlight of this film, for mm. me at least, and especially when... Will Smith's genie is the lead in any of the songs. It's just a damn good time. Um, so it's hard to say if the original soundtrack credit goes to the original, if it goes to the remake. I just know that this is kind of my favorite collection of feel-good music that I listened to this year. How about there you? You're going to be buying the vinyl? No. <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna That's what price, streaming's but... <laughs> for. I, I don't need vinyl uh, don't quality. on. Uh, yeah, there's a lot other things i want on vinyl first fair enough good pick one i still need to see what's your number three my number three is jordan peele's us composer is michael abels um i i love this score i think uh 50 years from now if i hear the song i got five on it this is going to be the rendition of it that Sorry, did I you say, of. I got five on it, <laughs> smoking in that in the weed. <laughs> we tried. Um, yeah, I uh, think that plays just such a crucial role uh, in the moment-to-moment -moment, uh, experience of that movie. And that, you know, is certainly kind of the, the anthem of it, but um, there's, there's a lot of great other stuff to it. Um, Specifically Elizabeth Moss on the floor. Oh, yeah. Oh, great stuff. Making some Beach Boys play. Yeah. It's a good one. What's your number two? Numero Doso is uh, Abbas Kiristami's posthumous film, 24 Frames. Fabulous. And that's not so much the soundtrack as the... I mean, I know it's called a soundtrack, but 
God, what is what would that be? Um, background noise, you know, yeah, like the noise of nature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Soundscape, the way that it transports you in front of these moving portraits to the area in which the paintings, the visual paintings, are being depicted, and that it definitely adds a layer of um, interpretation to the art that we're witnessing with him. Yeah, yeah, definitely brings you into those paintings yes shots whatever whatever they are i agree great great sound my numero dos what's yours my numero dos is high life from claire denis uh composer is Stuart staples uh it's a pretty spare score it is but i do think that was that was um highly fitting i think it really conjures that sense of the emptiness of space and when it does really erupt i think it um, really accentuates the the brutality of some of what we see. You know, um, it crossed my mind too, and I don't even remember the soundtrack. I just remember feeling something from it. Yeah. You know, I don't even remember. I just remember how I felt. Yeah, I had to go back and listen to it because I couldn't remember if there were vocals at certain points or not, but it's really just that, like, the horns, I think, or some of the brass at times really just sounds like someone's, like, howling on the soundtrack. Um, which really brings a sense of agony to it, which is um, pretty intense. It's, it's a, an, an intense movie, for sure. Number one, Climax. Oh, good pick. There's nothing really to say. It's just uh, it's a dance macabre. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's full of hot tracks. It's full of hot tracks, exactly. Probably the one I would like most easily listen to on its own. Right. right. It's just it's, it's a good soundtrack. There you go. My number one uh, is from An Elephant Sitting Still. Um, I was actually thinking might make your list as well, but didn't quite get there. It'll be on another list. Um, I don't quite remember the soundtrack to this film. Not so much. No. I'd I'd be hard-pressed to make any noise about what I remember hearing, whereas I think A Long Day's Journey into Night might be a little bit more intoxicating for me mm. on reflection. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a, a, a pretty simple one, I think, in its construction, relatively speaking, um, but um, there's some repetition to it, and I think every time the score does come on, you know, at each of these sort of, like, episodic-feeling long takes, it really just reiterates that sense of unending despair that all these yes. actors are feeling every time you hear those same chords again. Um, so, uh, but it's like, do you separate that from like the, don't we hear like a dog getting kicked in hallways and stuff? And it's like, is that part of the soundtrack? Cause if it is, then yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's kind of like, is the boy screaming on climax part of the soundtrack? Like, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That can get, that can make it a little more complicated. Yeah. All right. Number nine. Why don't you go first for number nine? Uh, my number nine uh, is Alex Ross Perry's Her Smell with Elizabeth Ooh. Moss. Um, I don't have any horror movies on my list yet, but I do think Becky Something is probably the most terrifying character on the list. Who That's who Elizabeth Moss is playing here. Uh, washed up uh, addict rock star. Um, one that 
we didn't talk about it on the show, but you did see, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Elizabeth Moss here, um, and uh, I think it's a, a, a highly unpleasant but highly invigorating portrait of an um, addict and um, rock star whose glory days are, are behind her. Yes. Yeah, I'm trying to... Does the ending firmly put it behind her? I can't remember. I think the final show is like a reunion concert. Yeah, but then they so, walk off stage arm in arm, right? Right. So, who knows? Maybe maybe they're maybe they're going to do the reunion tour. Yeah, I, I can't remember cuz she was composing music in her house at the end. Right. Before right. that. So I just I don't know that I know what she's going to do next. Fair point. After there finishing is, that film. I completely agree. There, There is some ambiguity to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But she's definitely the most torn character until I get to my, you know, five, my number four and my number one. Ooh. But I think that if we're going to try to try to pretend that these are the most, they're the, like she's the most tortured character ah. on your list, you might need to look a little bit further up. To something that mm. starts with a D and has three words. Because oh, we'll there's some there. tortured characters there. <laughs> we'll be there very, very shortly. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number nine is also a uh, built around a, a lead female character. And it also has its soundtrack that it relies, along, relies on heavily. That's Gloria. Gloria Bell. Love Julianne it. Moore. Jeez, uh, who's that director? though he made the fantastic woman film and he made the previous gloria bell entry sebastian lelio is that correct that sounds right yep. yeah yeah um did you see the original gloria? i have not yet i think it's just called yes gloria. it's just called gloria right. yes but right. the same main character yeah 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 which i think i've heard it's it's only vaguely kind of um a remake like it does i think take some liberties from yeah yeah from it's it switches to this more contemporary setting in America that has, you know, it's just different. You know, she yeah. goes to Vegas instead of somewhere else. She does paintballing instead of archery, I think. Uh, but largely it's the same uh, energy. Yeah. John Turturro. How's he doing here? Very good. He's yeah. very, very good here. Also, um, I don't remember the fellow's name, but he's the brother in Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, he plays oh, a play strong support character here, who's the ex-husband uh, of Julianne Moore's Gloria Bell. Yeah, but it's um, it's a vibrant, contemporary, to my way of thinking, like midlife crisis, like middle-aged woman movie. Yeah, because the older we're getting, the more middle age is no longer late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, yeah, you know, like now middle age is more like in your late forties, early fifties, and yeah. I think that this is kind of a, a modern take on that story. And I, it's one of the first times I've seen it done, and it's done really, really well and very yeah. sincere. And I was just with her the whole way. I was smiling the whole time, even when bad stuff was happening, just because the way that she carries herself. So it's there a good go. time one of my regrets i will catch up with that one before the end of the year no doubt your right. number nine or did we my number nine was her smell right so, so now we're on to favorite doc of the year that's right i have not seen anywhere near enough documentaries this year um but 
the one that, that I would call out as probably being the most interesting was Black Mother, uh, which we talked about on the show, directed by Kalik Allah. We also, also watched one of his shorts. Um, he's an interesting filmmaker. I think it's an interesting... Um, I think he's an interesting piece. photographer. I mm. might debate the filmmaker. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see where what he does next. Um, uh, I don't expect this to... Um, uh, be on my list at the end of the year, uh, necessarily. Um, I hope not. I hope you watch more <laughs> documentaries. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, we need to do some more doc talks. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a portrait of Jamaica and its people and the, the landscape of it. Um, um, sort of a, a challenging set in its own way because of its, um, sort of, um, off kilter soundscape. Yeah, and, and sort of formal, um, uh, there's there's kind of a distance to it, right? You're not really following any particular character. It's a bit eccentric. Yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge, but still one worth seeing. Um, that's Black Mother. What's your favorite doc of the year? My favorite doc of the year is called Islam and the Future of Tolerance. It's a conversation based on a um, released transcript of a conversation between a fellow named Majid Nawaz and uh, Sam Harris, who people know from his podcast, Making Sense, or his talks on Joe Rogan's podcast, or the fact that he's a neuroscientist, whatever you want to choose. And then Majid runs uh, Quilliam, which is a um, a very interesting foundation nonprofit in Britain for helping Muslims navigate the many challenges that they have. Mm. Um, it's not too limited what he does, but uh, it's just one of the most sincere documentaries I've seen this year. I almost chose Ask Dr. Ruth. It just didn't, mm. I didn't like it as much as I liked this documentary. And I've only seen maybe seven in total this year. If you include those HBO ones, like uh, Finding mm. Neverland and the, uh, the blood one with the crazy vampire lady. Theranos, is that right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you did see that one? Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Just, you were cooler on that one. I didn't realize yes. you watched that. Ah, yeah. Okay. So this is the the cream of the very limited crop so far for me. Uh, but I also read the book and I'm familiar with both these guys. So I just enjoyed watching them speak with each other. And that one is available for streaming? That one you can um, rent on YouTube as Rental. far as I'm aware. But purchasing go. it, I would not advise, because when I did a Google search the other day, it was absurd. We're talking like $300 oh. for a DVD. Whoa. <laughs> Just rent it. Yeah. And if you want to watch it twice, rent it again. Yeah, exactly. There you All go. right. So we are on to numero eight. Hit me with it. My number eight is Dragged Across Concrete, uh, directed by S. Craig Zoller. We talked about it on the show. Yes, Vince we did. Vaughn, Mel Gibson. Uh, Jennifer Carpenter, I think is her name, in a very uh, spectacular supporting role. Um, Tough movie, long movie. You're forgetting Um, two great... Tori Kittles. And? Hit me with it. Michael J. White. Michael J. White, that's right. Um, Fantastic ensemble. Um, I I, I just love this movie. Um, I... I, uh, was was with it the whole way um these are um unpleasant characters but fascinating ones um i think zoller's style is just super distinct and um sort of incomparable like he's just a guy who i think is really 
um, doing his own thing. I just feel like it's, it's a unique voice. Um, He's like if Tarantino wasn't a sarcastic asshole. It's not a bad way right? to put it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I think uh, it's, a, it's a tough sell in some ways um, because of its runtime, because of its um, linger unpleasantness. Um, but um, I think it's well worth it. I think we might revisit that title. Oh, I think we will. <laughs> Your number eight. My number eight is Steven Soderbergh's High Flying Bird. There's really, you know, not too much to say other than stream it on Netflix. We talked about it on the show. It's got an excellent cast overall. Um, but it's it's just a classic walk and talk. But it's done in a way that we just don't really see nowadays. And it's done on an iPhone. So um, it's been a long time since we've had, I, I think, a walk and talk prove to be profitable. And mm. so I think that if this is a way for those screenplays to get made, get eyes on them and be part of the landscape of film, that this will have a legacy um, moving forward, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, great ensemble. I, I It hadn't crossed my mind when I was putting my... Uh, list of ensemble together but that one would be a standout no doubt yeah. strong cast all right on to the squandery all right so we have a most squandered actor and actress yes we do um, meaning wasted talent right not necessarily we're in movies that we saw just ones whose projects we either don't understand um don't like have no interest in viewing don't and we we failed to see why they are so underused um should we do actors well i might first i might see why they're being underused but you might yeah you might see the you might see or, or why on. they're choosing those projects rather specifically right. your choice i could tell right, you why right. she chose some of those projects i promise sure enough um, um well you just say both if you'd like we'll do both all right my actress my most squandered actress is in hathaway um, I saw one of her movies, one I did not. The one I did see was Serenity mm-hmm. with Matthew McConaughey. The one I did not see was The Hustle, uh, a comedy. Um, I did not care for Serenity. I think it's one of my least favorite movies of the year. The Hustle, I could not get myself to watch. I think both of these have like a 20, 30 something on yep. Metacritic. Um, I think the, um idea here is she's she's interested in maybe some more commercial projects um you know she did uh oceans eight, eight last year um i liked her probably quite a bit in that um but uh one of my favorite movies of all time is rachel getting married and mm-hmm. it is 100 percent because of in hathaway's performance i would just love to see her uh revisit that kind of material um, did you see colossal I did not see Colossal. You should check Very that out. by that one, though. That's a really good movie. Yeah. It's ballsy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think I understand the, you know, interest in making a buck. Why not? I can't argue with that, but uh, fingers crossed that she maybe um, gets back in touch with some uh, more interesting filmmakers. Yeah. And your actor? And my actor is John Travolta who really hasn't even been on my radar much. It's more that I've thought to myself, Where is, where's that guy been? And I can I can tell you where he's been. He was in a film called 
The Poison Rose with Morgan Freeman. You didn't see that? I did not. Did what? you? Of course I didn't. That one has a <laughs> solid 30% on Metacritic. He was also in Trading Paint, which has a yes. 34% on Metacritic. I've seen that. I, that I, I mean, I haven't watched it, but I've seen It's about a stock car racing yeah, legend. It looks terrible. Yeah. Just got off. Um... Blowout just feels like a really long time ago. Pulp Fiction, that feels like a really long time Right, ago. but like he was amazing in The People versus O.J. Simpson. Oh, I And that has another that. actor yeah. who I'd be tempted to pick for squandries in Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm, yeah, there you go. Um, I would uh, I would love to, to see him in a, in a good movie. Yes. That would be great. Or just in a strong role. You know, he's like, he's like Stallone. Like when he's on, he's mm. on. And when he's not, it's look away because that's terrible wreck <laughs> painful all right mine are opening with the actress vera farmiga not only is she in shitty movies this year she's got tiny roles that are caricature shadows they're silhouettes of a character mm. and it's just such a fucking waste she's so talented and why i know it's the paychecks i know the paycheck for godzilla had to be good but why why captive state why the waste why why vera (laughs) it hurts uh are you a fan of the conjuring franchise i can't remember i i don't even know if i watched the second one yeah is mama part of the conjuring franchise which one? Mama. Oh, um, I think that might be a James Wan production. I can't remember if that's well, part a, of the Well, it's also produced by Guillermo del Toro. Oh. So I can't remember. I, like, I don't know what the rules are for the Conjuring universe, but like, I'm not yeah. against it. I'll say that. Yeah. I'm not going to go watch Annabelle, but I'm yeah. not against the universe. And I thought that the first one was really interesting, really oh, good. I love the first one. And yeah. I love Mama. So it's like, yeah. is Mama in a universe? Because if Mama's in a universe, then I like that universe because I love yeah. Mama. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, she... And um, shoot, isn't she the mom in the Bates Motel series? Oh, right. Right? Like, she's got mm-hmm. a good body of work. She did... Um, a netflix uh movie that was like a road trip with her son um mm. that i can't remember the name of now last year i saw it at the crest up there mm. it's a very good movie um or i shouldn't say very good but she's very good in a fine movie yeah you yeah. know she raises it to here and it's like why why isn't she given these parts it's very annoying it is i agree great pick talented lady all right my most squandered actor Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. Great pick. He released two films this year where he is the uh, titular character. Mm -hmm. Both of them seem to have gone over lukewarm at best. Most recently, Shaft, before that, Glass. Mm -hmm. Um, I would argue that he's a supporting actor in Glass. And yeah. it's not very interesting to see him. It's also not very interesting to see him in Captain Marvel in Avengers Endgame. And it probably won't be very interesting to see him in Spider-Man, which comes out in mm. like two weeks. Right. right. So he's getting all these roles, but he's not even the main actor in them. And he's not really sinking his teeth in. You know, the guy that said there's snakes on the motherfucking plane 
is not getting the opportunity to say lines like that. Like he is a pop culture icon the way that Keanu Reeves is, but he's not getting those Keanu Reevesian opportunities at the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's very disappointing. And I think that although he's being used fairly frequently in Hollywood, he's being misused. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. As you say that, I was thinking about him in Tarantino, but I don't think he's in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Or at least. No, not not that I'm aware of. Um, Yeah. I don't think so. I don't know that there's too much room at that point in time historically for him to have a role there right right um the way that there is for you know every other actor there but if tarantino makes a you know a ninth what would no a tenth movie right because this is his ninth so it's supposed to be his final film so if he does continue to make films you know if we could get to see samuel jackson on a star trek ship Mm. talk about motherfucking comets and asteroids what about a Pulp Fiction too with Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta, and then they can both redeem themselves? Oh boy, <laughs> that sounds like a really bad movie. I'm not going to lie. I think you're right. That sounds like a very bad movie. Probably. That's a terrible. Don't make a sequel to that. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I take it back. All right, that is it for Squandries. On to title number seven. What is your number seven, Michael? That's right. My number seven is Hotel by the River. It's by a... Is that in California? It is not. (laughs) Not Hotel California. (laughs) This uh, is directed by Hong Sang-soo, South Korean filmmaker. Um, It's black and white. It's about an... uh, So did that come out in America this year? It did. Because I was doing my research when you sent me your list, and it said 2018, and I couldn't find heads or tails, and I was like, man, I need to get to this, I guess. Yeah, that one played at uh, Northwest Film Forum okay. here in Seattle. Um, and should I think it's available for VOD now, I'm not sure. Um, it's about an aging elderly poet um, residing temporarily in a hotel. Who becomes certain <laughs> that he is going to pass away, correct? He, uh, he has a sense that that might be yes. coming. And then he invites his two embittered sons over um, something like that that's what the synopsis said but okay. um yeah he invites his two sons to uh to talk visit him at, at this hotel and meanwhile sounds very uh, parabellish mm, you know like yeah. a parable yeah yeah uh separately um a young woman is also staying at the hotel um sort of retreating from uh an abusive relationship and she's um accompanied by um a sister or friend, I kind of forget what their connection is, and these two groups sort of overlap because the the hotel is fairly empty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite melancholy, but also very funny. It's got a light sense of humor to it. Oh, good. Um, oh, most definitely. Um, it feels very spontaneous. Um, is it adapted or is it original? It is original. Okay. Like that, that is my understanding. It sounds very much to me like any Haruki Murakami. Mm. You know, like just these two people um, in similar areas through separate circumstances that cross Mm. paths and then building the story out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Just a really distinct sensibility there um, every once in a while when the score does come on. It's classical. Um, uh, The comedy is just really naturally weaved into these sort of uh, melancholy, often drunken conversations. They're all, you know, drinking Saki throughout the movie. Um, it's lovely. Worth checking out. Good. What's your number seven? 
My number seven is the Hulu limited series. I think that they partnered with TNT for it. And geez, it's a gal named Patty Jenkins who EP'd and I think show ran this limited series. It's called I Am The Night and it stars Chris Pine and India Isley. But the way that it's kind of constructed time-wise you don't really get the sense that either actor is a lead actor. It's very mm-hmm. interesting where even though they might be on the screen the most, they almost feel like they're just like a wandering character in a story about maybe the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and like these bigger things that are happening in these bigger machinations of darkness. And it, it kind of centers around uh, Chris Pine, who is a war veteran um from vietnam who has major depression um and extreme alcoholism and Mm. him trying to help this girl who thinks that she who is or thinks that she is black or half black and the journey to get to know her estranged family that gave her up um and how that family is tied to the black dahlia murder Oh, wow. Did not see that coming. It's it's a very good limited series. I just started it, and it took me in, and I finished it, and I was like, nice. This is good. On Hulu are these hour-long episodes, I would assume? Something like that? No, because it it originated on TNT, or it's in collaboration with. So it's more like the 4347, so they can get their, you know, one-hour time slot for commercials, which oscillates somewhere between 18 and 12 minutes normally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Patty Jenkins. That's uh, like Wonder Woman Patty Jenkins, Yes, right? yes. Wow. That's and awesome. so there's the connection for Chris Pine on the project, I Oh, think. right, right, right. I think they just wanted yeah. to work together again. Got it. That's awesome. Thing. So. Love it. That is my numero seven. Let's get over to your favorite ensembles. All right. We each have two favorite ensembles. That's correct? Yes. All right. Uh, one of my two. We'll go back and forth here. Okay. Why not? Uh, one of my favorite Ensembles of the Year is in Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Chloe Savini, Sevigny, we debate this, uh, Selena Gomez, Danny Glover, Caleb Landry Jones. It's just stacked. I think everyone's super funny. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, you know, gosh, you you, you just forget. Um, Tom Waits. Tom Waits, Tilda Swinton, or Zelda Winston, I think is her name, in the film. Um, everyone is just, uh, wholeheartedly laid back. Iggy Pop. Um, Iggy Pop, Carol Kane. Um, uh, I'm sure we're still forgetting more. Yes, probably more um, rock stars. Rosie Perez. Yep. Um, which is like Posey Juarez, I think is her name there. Um. Yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone is just, uh, um, I think, uh, on exactly the same key supremely relaxed no matter uh how rapidly the end uh is coming um i enjoyed them all what's one of yours my favorite ensemble in a limited series is fossey verdon sam rockwell michelle williams um aya cash uh boy margaret qualley Mm. Lin-Manuel Miranda, 
And then I'm forgetting because it's been a while since I finished it. But there's a lot of people in this show. And the talent for the dancers is exquisite mm. as well. Did Lin-Manuel Miranda choreograph the dances for the show? Or is it kind of just Good doing question. everything Fosse did? I, I don't know. if that was his involvement or not. That Maybe might be. Yeah. I don't know the details on who choreographed the show. I will yeah. look that up by the end of the year, though, because I'm sure go. it might still be on my list then. It's likely to stick around. Yes. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll get back to it again. Oh, yeah. All right, your other ensemble? Uh, my other ensemble is Peterloo, directed by Mike Lee. Uh, probably not going to ring a bell for a lot of people. Um, didn't stick around in theaters for too long. Um, didn't really strike a chord. In the cultural conversation, at least um, in the U.S., but I think it's a just across the board uh, a, a incredibly well acted film, um, mm-hmm. and it's one about the uh, machinations of democracy. And um, appropriately, um, it is uh, truly um, an ensemble piece where it's more about the whole than any one given character. It's kind of a Tiananmen Square for England. Yeah, almost. yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, uh, I don't have the names of, of many actors in, in front of me, but um, I think uh, across the board, everyone's just top-notch. What you got? My favorite film ensemble this year is Dragged Across Concrete. Yeah, good pick. Yep. We already went over them. Um, not much more to say. There's really no reason it shouldn't be on here on my own. Different day, it'd be on there. Favorite film number six. My number six is An Elephant Sitting Still. Chinese film directed by Hu Bo. Um, it's long. I think it's just around four 356? hours. 356? Yeah. It is a long sit. And a um, incredible. You can get sad lost, one. though. It's kind of like a book where you can get lost mm. in it. Oh, yeah. Like one of those Absolutely. hours just disappeared on me. Yeah, I um, did not find it. Um, Wild Pear Tree was longer. Long I think we both agreed. 100%. Yeah. Wild Pear Tree is nowhere on my list. Um, I uh, think it's just uh, 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 an incredibly sad film, but an incredibly beautiful one. Um, you know, it might not be too different from Drag Across Concrete. Oh, what are you thinking? Just the way that they interact, like the way mm. that the characters are just in the world, behaving in the world, not mm. trying to f- move a plot forward, just trying to interact with the world and to manifest the world how they want to. It's trying to exist, trying, yeah. to, trying to continue to survive. But you know, like the, the style of dialogue is, I mm. think, is very similar between the two, where it's just wholly mm. in the world that it's in. Yeah, yeah. Does that I make sense? That. Yeah. Um also, Especially the darkness. With kind of the number of characters. I could kind of see that. Yeah. Um, and the darkness, just the yeah. darkness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't think a, a movie quite like this comes around very often. Um, one that's this willing to be so endlessly full of despair. Um, which sounds rough, but um, I mean, I do think ultimately this ends on a hopeful note for me. Um, so I think the film does. I don't know about the, I don't know about everything. It, it's yeah. Cause when you make something like this, that seems hopeful and then you kill yourself, it's like, well, 
complicated, yeah. no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, th- that's why I think it's, like, tough to, um, like, really glorify or, like, congratulate the project. Like, you don't want to, you know, like, come anywhere close to, like, glorifying the act, right? By, um, I don't know, I ju- you know, you just want to separate well, that Yeah, from... you don't want to, you don't want to provide game incentives for people to commit suicide after they create. Yeah, yeah. But then you also don't want to discourage, I, or at least I don't think that it's my right to decide how someone should behave when they feel something. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's that's a lot more complex, especially in a society like China's. Yeah. It's tough. What's your number six? My number six is a film that we will talk about very shortly on your top ten list. My number six is Transit which is a film that you uh, spontaneously, from what I gathered, went and saw at SIF, uh, Cinema Uptown in Queen Anne, and then told me that I should go see it when I asked you about it. Then I saw it, and I loved it, and we talked about it. Yes, we did. And we will talk about it more shortly. No need to, to linger here. What is your favorite technical and visual achievement in film? choice this year my favorite so far yes my favorite technical achievement is in the film long day's journey into night um which is probably knows most noteworthy for its uh for one particular technical aspect of it which is not turning the camera off (laughs) (laughs) there is a a good hour long take could you imagine if the batteries died Oh man, I think. Or if Google someone, might have flipped. or if someone accidentally like tripped on the cable and unplugged it, <laughs> movie that might not exist. Like that's it, we're done. We tried. Good effort, folks. Or like like a bird hits him when he's going down the long rope, and he just yeah. falls off. <laughs> Maybe it would be on my list for like a for effort. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I. Uh, I, I don't think this is anything like what you expect from like a, uh, a Christopher Nolan, you know, or, or any of those guys when, when they, when they do a long take, I mean, this is sort of a, like a rougher, almost lo-fi kind of use of the long take. You see the camera move at times. So it's not about the perfection. It's just about it. Um, adding to that sense of the, the, the texture of a dream sequence. Um, and I was uh, super into it. What about you? Technical achievement. My favorite technical achievement slash visual achievement in 2019 so far is The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, directed by Terry Gilliam. The Just the fact that this film was made is an achievement. The fact that this film was made and it made me smile and laugh so much in a packed house is also an achievement. The ability to straddle surrealism... The camera work, the cast, the edit, the joy, the unbridled joy of something so complex and and yet so easily pulled off and seamless and just like it's it's the only way it could have been done, and I never knew that it could be done that way is uh it just it floored me, and it's one of my favorite movies of the year, and it's my just visually it it beats out climax for me because no way in climax doesn't do anything he hasn't done before. 
and so I just have to give props to this, even though yeah. Climax is maybe technically more voracious with its mm. film work, choreography, and camera choice. Yeah. It was a long journey, but it finally made it to your list. It did. And I don't think it's going to leave. Gilliam wanted. I don't think it's going to leave my top list. We still have yet to get to it. There you go. All right. So we are on to number five. What is your number five film on the year, Michael? My number five is the just-mentioned Transit, directed by Christian Petzl. What? Who knew we were going here? Which I think might be our consensus pick. Yeah. It's either, I think the two on both of our lists are Transit and Dragged Across Concrete, two very different movies. Yeah. Well, I think that you suffered a, a stroke recently. And forgot to put Climax on your list. Ah, that That's the be. only sense I can make. That could be. I seized up a little bit in the list making process. Yeah, yeah. You just, half your brain is droopy. Somehow seized up and deleted it by accident. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the only explanation for me. Yeah, I think it was around number one, was it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thought so. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I love this movie. Um, super strong cast. I think it's a little high concept. I think that's probably the hardest sell about it is that it's almost kind of this what if kind of scenario. But it doesn't hold um, your hands. So I, I think that you can fall in it. I think that yeah. if someone can fall in Cold War, someone can fall into transit. I think so. Um, I think that has a lot to do with the um, lead actor um, who's... Uh, side we really never leave um and um i still think it's use of um uh, period is still just one of the more interesting uh cinematic things i've experienced this year um i think it's use of surfaces and rooms is one of the most impressive we've seen so far this year what that cafe comes to symbolize the fact that we never sit at the bar, but we're being narrated to by the bartender. Um, and we keep seeing lingering shots of the bar when we're in the cafe. And then we get to know that glass pane next to the table. And oh, yeah. we look out that glass pane with with, with uh, hope, with yeah. desire that someone that we want to walk past that window will. Um, yeah. The use of the, the porches, the use mm-hmm. of looking at the ports, um, repetition going into get the... Um, the passes to go to Mexico. Oh yeah. Right. Like, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, um, uh, dealing with some heavy material, but, um, I, I don't think it's, um, a a tough sit by any means. I think it, um, communicates its ideas, um, about, um, feeling sort of stateless and feeling like you're, you're in between places where you belong, not knowing where you belong. Um, what that's like to um, feel like a refugee and, and be be lost between um, uh, you know places of home um, is just uh, just fascinating. Um, I yeah, it's got some really strong visual metaphors too, though, like the absolutely. the kicking of the soccer ball against the brick wall. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Like that's exactly what they're doing every time they go to that office and they're waiting in line. It's just kicking the ball at the wall. Yeah, you're never yeah. gonna make it through this hall. Like hoping, hoping to score a goal for once. Yeah, but yeah. you're not gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great metaphor. Um, that's transit. My number five, we just touched on, the man who killed Don Quixote. There it is from Terry Gilliam, starring Adam Driver. 
Um, we'll come back to a supporting actress on my list from this oh. film, but it's uh, it's a swoony dreamscape of giggles and laughter and surrealism, and it's like if there ever were to be a spiritual successor to the princess bride this is that movie that's how you describe it it as a comedy i wouldn't say it's not a comedy there you go but i wouldn't say that it's only a comedy it'd it'd be that comedy slash or comma drama that they put on imdb and you could switch it up however you want yeah yeah it will provide laughs yes i like it um and now we are on to favorite debuts of the year. We're going to go through three of them. Do you want to go in descending or ascending order? Um, let's do descending. Descending? Want to go first? Sure. My number three directorial debut of the year is Josh Cooley's Toy Story 4. Love it. Um, he did two um, animated short films for Pixar before this, but this is his first feature. Uh, really strong, really well paced, um, great art direction, great, um, sense of life to it. I do think that Woody's face kind of hit the uncanny valley, but other than that, I think it was a strong, strong debut. What's your number three? My number three is Arctic. Ooh. Joe Pena. Correct? Yeah, this might be back. That's right. Um, we briefly touched on it on an earlier episode before you Last into... episode. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, anything that held me back from, um, just wholeheartedly loving this movie was sort of just the story itself, outdoor survival, not like my favorite kind of thing separately though. Like I think, um, it is still a supremely well or extremely well-crafted story. Um, and I would, um, happily go back to see whatever he's got next, which he does have something in the works, right? Yes. I don't recall what though. Yeah, I just because I watched it in February, so that's when I did all my research, and it's yeah. kind of gone now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He he clearly knows what he's doing with the camera, so um, I would I would come back for more. All right, my number two is a film that we've talked about at length now, and that is an elephant sitting still. Great. Pick. Um, not much to say. It's the only directorial effort we'll get from Hubo. Yeah, and it is definitely something that will merit attention as i grow older i'll come back to it what's your number two my number two also already discussed it is holiday by isabella Eckloff. um just how bold and unsparing it is i think is um really impressive i'll be eager to see what um she will be uh, uh uncompromisingly making next in uh, her career yeah number one my number one is joe Pena's arctic there it is and there's her name it stars mads mickelson and maria thelma smara dotier mm. as the uh, gal who shows up um at some point and the oppressive wilderness the white turning into a threat the wind blowing becoming a enemy the glare off the snow becoming an enemy um just the the labor 
that Mads puts in and then blows on his hands and you just really hope that he doesn't lose those fingers and just the slow burn of it. Uh, really, really interesting that a director who's debuting can make a single man feel like a whole film and have parts of that man be a character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very much in that um, uh, all is lost. Yes. Kind of vein, which you were a fan of. Love all is lost. If you love all of lost, all, if you loved all is lost, you would appreciate this as well. I uh, think so. Yes. Yep. Yes. I think that if you like, the Discovery Channel man versus wild stuff, you yeah. would like this movie probably yeah. as well. Um, or if you're just a Mads Mikkelsen fan. There you go. We are on to number four, Michael. What is your number four? My number four is one that's already come up briefly. It is Long Day's Journey into Night, Chinese film directed by Hu Bo. Um, uh, Not Hu Bo, right? Oh, excuse me. You are correct. Um, it is directed by Be Gone. Yes. That's correct. Um, I will leave now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would consider it um, a more a work of cinematic poetry than, than prose. It's told achronologically. Um, it's uh, formally quite dazzling. It's about a guy coming back to his hometown um, and sort of um, remembering... Um, a woman he was once involved with. Um, it's very much a work of, of uh, memory and dreams and all the texture that that um, experience it's a visual accompanies. Poem. Yeah. Um, uh, highly pleasurable. Um, it's, it's slow and confusing and very fractured and um, sort of elliptical in its, um, in how it unfolds. But uh, I uh, was, uh, uh, dazzled by it enthralled even yep my number four dragged across craig or s craig zoller's concrete there you go he drags you hard this is a fucking movie and it is a movie that i will rewatch before the end of the year to make sure that it gets every opportunity to stay on my list love it we are now at our favorite supporting actors this year why don't okay. you start us out all right my favorite supporting actor of the year is jack loden from fighting with my family interesting and, choice yeah um i struggled a little bit to find a good supporting actor to be honest um or i this is maybe one i spent the most time looking for um uh this was a movie i was largely cool on i was i was ultimately positive on it but i didn't i didn't particularly love this movie um i do think he is an incredibly strong uh, like emotional counterpoint to mm -hmm. this movie where we're really following um a young woman's um experience in the uh wrestling world while jack Loden plays her brother who's um dreams are not coming true in the same way and i think you um just really see the devastation on jack loden's face every time he's on screen um and i think it's um just impressive what he does um with very little dialogue in 
uh, conveying um, how heartbroken he is about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm uh, interested to see what he'll do. He does a lot with his face, too. Yeah, 100%. How about your favorite supporting actress? My favorite supporting actress is Tilda Swinton, who I am uh, very hot and cold on, as I think I've said before, in the You souvenir. prefer when she only has two minutes of screen time. I see. I guess. I, maybe. Um, I, I don't know. I think um, there is just... Um, a lot that is implied about what she is thinking about her daughter's relationship in this film, The Souvenir. Um, it is a, a, a rather small role, but I think it's a crucial one um, and a really interesting one. Yeah. All right. My supporting actor and actress, I have two categories, though. Limited series slash TV show and film. So I will do the limited series slash TV show first. My favorite supporting actor from a limited series or TV show was Kingsley Benadire, who plays our uh, private investigator in the OA part two. And my favorite supporting actress in in a limited series or TV show is India Isley, who plays the um, concerned young woman in i am the night i i don't want to give too much away about that limited series it's definitely got an arc to its own you're choosing your words carefully yes my favorite supporting actress in a film is joanna or joanna ribiero she plays the supporting actress in the man who killed don quixote um and i won't give too much away about her journey either um, and then my favorite supporting actor is Tori Kittles from Dragged Across Concrete. That kid is going to have one of the most exciting futures that we will see. And I will likely pick him as a rising star at the end of the year. Yeah. Honestly, I think it, for me, he was just like, he was easy to forget about because of how much time we're spending in the car with Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. And then like you bring him up, I'm like, oh yeah god he was super good um and the the dialogue he's asked to chew through he really is a pro yeah um so yeah those are my supporting actors and actresses on to your number three michael all right my number three is uh another chinese film it is ashes purest white uh directed by jia jangka um michael do you have a favorite country right now is it maybe China? That is, is one theme of my list so far, which I think is just a function of it being the first half of the year, yeah. right? You know, America's kind of backloaded. It could be that. It could be the books you're reading. That could be too. Um, could be the Criterion channel. It's hard to say. Criterion is, is definitely playing a role. Um, uh, yeah, we, we talked about it briefly. It's about um, a, a gangster's wife primarily and um and a pistol really that's it it's the whole movie (laughs) yeah it's about um um this this woman's journey um alongside a man who um who she who she's um been in love with and and ultimately breaks up with and what that means for her sort of navigating a very rapidly changing china on her own um and I think it's um, 
a really incredible uh, lead performance. Um, one thing I didn't know at the time was that this was actually shot over like 16 years. Um, some of this footage is from um, other films that he's worked on, and you just don't notice it like you would in something like um, Boyhood, right? Where somebody at the age of you know five looks dramatically different from how they do at 18. Um, I honestly thought but, that was uh, just makeup. No, no. Some of some of this was was truly like a decade uh, in the making. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, just think it's a uh, a really interesting portrait of a of a woman navigating change in a, a country in a country undergoing a great change. And I think that's an interesting um, foreground and background. So. That's the film with the fairy scene. Fairy scene. Oh, yes. right, right, right. I was thinking like. Uh, uh, flying fairies, no, like no, no, boat, boating. Yes, fairies. yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Where they sink, or they they flood a, a city and then build a new city on the right, top. Right, uh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, that was an interesting film. Um, my number three is Joe Pana's Arctic. I think I've made enough noises about it that I can shut up for now. Uh, we'll Still maybe it. revisit it at the end of the year. Um, your favorite film lead actors and actresses. All right, my favorite actor of the year so far is Franz Rogowski from, from Transit. Transit. Um, we're by his side for the entire film. I think he's um, incredibly disarming, and that that he is so disarming while um, some of what he's doing is maybe questionable, and um, how he sort of communicates guilt over what he might be doing i think it's all just really um subtle um in a way that i, I really really re- appreciated and responded to what about you what's your best actor well i got a couple so why don't we get into your best actress no, all right I'll do mine my best actress is honor swinton burn from the souvenirs i think this is the only time i'll probably ever have a mother-daughter pairing for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. Never um, say never. Andy Isley's on The Uprising. Her mom could come back. There you go. She's still alive? I hope so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. Margaret um, Qualley and her mom. Yeah. Right? That's there's there's possibilities. Right there. I forgot about them. Um, yeah. Uh, newcomer. Fantastic debut. Um, great movie. Great lead. All right. Well, on that note, I will get to my favorite actor and actress from a limited series or TV show. I've got Sam Rockwell from Fosse Verdon. Not much to be said if you listen to our Fosse Thon. You've heard enough. And favorite actress, big surprise, Michelle Williams, Fosse Verdon. Not too much to say. Reference the Fosse Thon. Um, Now, my favorite actor and actress in a film are Sophia Butella from Climax, and we'll get more into that later, and then Mads Mikkelsen from Arctic, who I've made enough pontifications about his uh, ability to use his body and make it feel like it's telling a story. Two very physical performances. Yes. On to number two, Michael. All right. My number two is a short film. Short film on my list. It's called Altiplano. It's by a 
Chilean-born filmmaker named Malena Shalom. Um, I think she now lives in Montreal. Um, it's really um, a piece of landscape cinema, shots of um, a stretch of um, a, a region within the Andes Mountains called the Altiplano um, that's mostly just like desert, um, salt flats, um, regions of uh, like volcanic activity with lakes and rivers running through them um, that have all sort of been like tinted um, red and orange by the sediment surrounding those bodies. Does it have a background soundtrack or? It does. So the sound, none of which I, I didn't know any of this at the time I watched it, but the sound is all like infrasound of geological activity. Hmm. Um, and it's um, certainly just like far and away the most formally arresting thing I've watched this year. Um, it's edited uh, all in camera and um, just gets at what uh, can be so kind of wondrous and mysterious about like the material composition of the earth. Um, the area where they shoot it is like what often doubles for Mars and the stuff that NASA usually shoots. Sure. Um, and just a uh, fascinating arresting experimental piece of work your number two my number two is the limited series from netflix and brit marling the oa part two it is a it's just a piece of narrative work that is kind of unparalleled in the current television marketplace i mean maybe legion is doing some things that are similar but straddling science fiction and fantasy and philosophy and religion and life and death so eloquently and, and so sincerely are very hard things to do. And I think that what she's achieved as a creator, performer, writer, director, producer are pretty, pretty, pretty cool. And uh, this show is is certainly one of my favorite uh, ongoing series at the moment. Season three is in the works? Part three is in the works, yes. Or part three. Um, will that wrap things up, or is it ongoing? I believe it's going to be four parts in total. Four parts. And all of them have been greenlit by Netflix, so the story will be told in its entirety. Part two, a big step up from part one? No. It's been pretty It's been very steady. good, yes. Love it. Yes, it's been good. All right, we are on to our favorite classic, Michael. What's your favorite classic? All right, we haven't gotten to as many classics this We're going to make an effort year. to revisit some Jules Dassin. That's right. Or actually visit Jules Dassin. That's right, but we did do an episode on camp, and one of our campy titles was Todd Solanz's Welcome to the Dollhouse, uh, about the young Don Wiener, an outcast, um, not uh particularly adored by her family nor her peers at school um just struggling to find her place in the world and i appreciate that todd Mo todd salons just um is willing to recognize how that can feel it's mm -hmm. funny also uh very sad in its own way What's your favorite classic my favorite classic is bob fossey's lenny starring dustin hoffman i don't have 
too many reasons why it's my favorite. I just know it's my favorite right now. It has a lot to do with editing, pulse, pace, mm-hmm. and the long take and the direction that the camera does. But it, I really was surprised when I chose it over the other Fosse films. It just yeah. that's just how I feel. It's not necessarily science. It's just emotions. Oh yeah, I was expecting all that jazz. Yeah, I was too. Was but surprise. Lenny just kind of it just keeps sitting there with his back to me talking on that rail and i i want to listen i want to listen all right we are on to the number one film of the year michael so far my number one movie of the year so far is the souvenir from british director joanna hogg um with the actresses i've already mentioned um, this is just one where everything clicked for me from performances to editing to uh, soundtrack and narrative. Um, I just think that for me, this is kind of what Roma did for a lot of people in sort of, um, you know, giving the feeling of what it's like to, to, to remember a really deeply personal experience. Um, and I just uh, think it's a deeply moving um work of an artist reflecting on her formative years and a very difficult uh period of her life in a really honest and involving way um eager to see what part two involves yes yes you chose the the souvenir you get to take a souvenir home for choosing your number one mm-hmm. all right my number one is a tie okay i'm going uh keith Ulick. right on it my number one is a combination of Gaspar Noé's Climax and Fosse Verdun episode one. Both are pulpy, high-paced pulse and bits that are centered around dance and darkness and have eloquent choreography, masterful storytelling, and left me in a state of awe. Two very dance-centric works. That's interesting. Yes. I think that I'm beginning to like dance. Yeah. <laughs> Climax, I think, was high on your list of most anticipated, right? Yes, of the it year. was. Fosse Verdon was a surprise. Or yeah. Fosse Verdon. Yeah. Verdon, whichever. However, yeah. Yeah. She's passed. She can't correct this. There you go. All right, you're an MVP of 2019. My MVP is the actress Elizabeth Moss for really two performances here, and she has two more coming later this year that I'm particularly excited. So this is almost like a little bit of a forward-looking MVP. Okay. Um, since you know, arguably, so two it's it's awesome her smell. Exactly. And then you're not giving credit for her. Role in Handmaid's Tale, I'm guessing? Uh, I have not seen Handmaid's Tale. Okay. I'll give her credit for that. Why not? I assume she's great there. Sure. But I did... Um, I, I, I loved her and her smell, as I've already talked about. Um, I f- keep thinking about Elizabeth Moss when I think about us. Mm-hmm. Um, she is one of my favorite um, parts of that movie. I think like that same maniacal grin you see from her in us seems like the same smile you get from Becky something yes. in her smell at times. Um, and then later this year, um, she'll be in the kitchen, which I have modest or or tempered expectations for, 
Um, but she's also in um, Josephine Decker's next film. She directed Madeline's Madeline, mm-hmm. which I was a little cooler on, but I am excited to see. Uh, that that is an interesting collaboration. Right, right. Um, uh, I, I just think she's she's kind of in in the zone right now, um, I, and I think she's got promising works ahead. Um, so that's my M- MVP. Who's yours? My MVP is Britt Marling, who we just talked about. She is a do-it-all, think-it-all, know-it-all, ex-finance master. And she produces, co-writes, co-runs, acts, co-edits, helps with art direction. There's some other stuff she does. All for this this little TV show that Netflix has that um, not enough people are watching, and uh, yeah, it's not it's not hard to to know that she's a wonderkind and her career is going to be I think one of the most interesting polymath careers coming out of Hollywood today. Yeah, seems like the word auteur still doesn't seem to quite do it justice. Correct. When you're doing that make that many roles. Yeah. Just create her. Not to mention how many thing. characters she might be playing in the LA. Oh, interesting. You know, she's not just her. <laughs> it's interesting. Quite versatile. So we are on to the show's most noted award that we give out. Our Wounded Soldier of the Year. We each have one. You have to be a film that made under 200,000 domestically or has under 60 on Metacritic that we think is particularly overlooked and underappreciated. Exactly right. Shall I go first? You shall. My Wounded Soldier for the first half of the year is Peterloo by Mike Lee. Uh, By Metacritic's uh standing i think it's doing okay i think it's in the 60s or 70s box office wise not so much it made 150k domestically interestingly enough it did actually beat expectations in europe um oh i think it ended up grossing at least over a million bucks there which nobody anticipated um and i think the consensus was that it was too long it was too boring there wasn't a lead character um, there was there was nothing to really sink your teeth into here. This um, is one of the few films that's like, no, let's let's have schools buy the rights to this film. Yeah, a- show this in history class. Yeah, this is yeah. history. Yeah, and um, he said that in interviews is that he was um, just appalled to learn that this was uh, a an event in history that wasn't taught in. Um, British schools today and he thought that it was like more relevant than ever before and I think that was another criticism was that it kind of can feel like a history class at some time um, which I personally kind of value about it like otherwise I would not have known what was going on I could do my research in advance sometimes I just go with it when I truly don't know anything about this event this just I just went with this one um, I think it I think it's gorgeously made I think the final um um event the, the peterloo massacre itself is um is is an achievement mm-hmm. um and uh i, I think it is a, a relevant work about um p- 
people trying to um, have a voice collectively and how quickly that can be violently squashed. Um, I, I, I think or taken uh, over. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, many don't agree. So see it for yourself. Side. Many didn't see Correct. <laughs> to begin with. All right. My wounded soldier grossed plenty of money, but is sitting at, I think, a 55 on Metacritic. Ooh. And that is our homeboy, Harmony Kareen's Beach Bum, starring Matthew McConaughey with Isla Fisher, with Martin Lawrence, with Snee- Snoop, D-O-double-G. As far as I'm aware, that is how he's listed for this film. Don't get mad at me if he's calling himself Snoop Lion still. I don't know what's going on. And then we have uh, his daughter. Jeez. She's really good. I can't remember who played her off the top of my head. I can't remember her either. Um, Zac Efron. That was Zac Efron one. was great. Yeah. Um, this is just a good time, I think. I think um, it's very much different than Peterloo, but it's something that I think both maybe are hard for people to sit through um for different reasons and i think that we when we talked about it we even got into the debate about if he's to blame for a certain death or if isla Mm. fisher's to blame for a certain death and i think that's part of what makes it complex is that is he an enabler does he do we view him as with agency i i think that this is going to be one of the most interesting films kind of to ruminate on that that no one is spending too much time with this year right right um i kind of wonder if that might find a life on streaming after the fact um because it is kind of in that stoner comedy vein like do, do you think that could maybe be something people are sitting on the couch and think to themselves yeah i could i, could I don't think film. so but there's so a 50 50 chance and i think we'll know by august if that's what's happening because i think yeah. that it should i think it's been out for a while now yeah um streaming and and for rental and i haven't heard a stink made about it i might yeah. not be in the right spheres to hear the stink being made but um yeah it's i we'll see I, I, I like your hope. I like your angle. I just don't know that that's the dangle of it. Yeah, it might not be, like, funny enough. I mean, it's a stoner comedy, but not in the same way, like, a, you know, I don't know, a Pineapple Express is, right? It's not it's, it's more like it's this, this, like, stoner poem that you show, yeah. like, your friend. It's a great way to put it. And it's, yeah. like, it's going to have a really slow trickle out if it yeah. does do so. It's not going to yeah. be, like, an eruption, you know. Time will tell. It will. All right, that is the top 10 list so far with all our other categories. Good talking. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant.